Hello, everyone, and welcome to Avatar, the podcast. And no, this isn't a fancy filter or an effect that I've purchased on the internet. I am, in fact, sick again at the beginning of another book. It's great. (laughs) I'm noticing a lot of patterns here. There's a big announcement from Nickelodeon about Avatar at the start of every season. Greg gets sick. Mm -hmm. If you got the chance to tune in live for the first ever episode of Avatar, you will have seen the beginning of my sickness live on the air as I <laughs> when you almost died. I almost died and curled into a coughing fit and Acorn had to sweep up the pieces for a little bit. <laughs> so yeah, let's talk about that. Our first ever episode of Avatar. It's done. It's over. It is uploaded for your viewing pleasure on YouTube, also at twitch.tv slash the geek generation. How much fun was that? It was so fun. I was so happy to see the turnout. You know, people who've written into us, people who have been listening for a long time. I think we even had someone who came in saying that they just started listening. So it was really great to be able to connect with everyone. And I loved the conversations we had about fan theories, too. Yeah, it's definitely different doing an episode of Angmail versus an episode of Avatar. And not just from a production standpoint, but from a, I don't know, getting to interact with people. Like Mm -hmm. live one-on-one instead of reading the comment on YouTube, although we love and appreciate all those, but seeing that being like, oh, you know, I'm in the middle of my workday. I'll go like in 10 or 20 minutes, be able to answer that. Yeah. Being able to see everyone show up and that excitement and that enthusiasm was just like breathtaking. Yeah. It also tickled me that we had a a little fight in chat about who was the number one fan. I didn't even see (laughs) that. That that tickled me. Yeah. I didn't even see that. I was probably dying. That was when I was dying. I'm just going to say. Maybe. That was, that's amazing. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was really great. I got corrected on the order of the elements of the avatar. So I got corrected on the heat of certain color of flames. So, you know, like I said in the, in the episode, it's the joys of doing this live. You don't have time to research and edit and correct. It's, you know, it's all everything live. You have to roll with it. You do. You absolutely do. And hopefully everyone will be able to join us for our next episode, which will be on June 25th. So mark your calendars. Keep listening to find out what that subject will be. But we have mm-hmm. so many wonderful, wonderful subjects that everyone emails into us. So yeah, is it going to be the one you emailed about? You'll find out in a couple of weeks, at least. Speaking of excitement, did you notice the date, Acorn? I did notice the date. It is May 20th, isn't it? It is. It is. Not too long ago, last year, was the very first episode of Avatar the Podcast. We've been doing this for one year. We are one year old. That is mind-blowing. I cannot believe <laughs> that I can't believe we've it. been doing this for a year. It's wild. It doesn't feel like it at all. But no, you know, when you look back, we've done so many episodes. We're in like the 30s now. We're on book three. It's crazy. And I mean, it's just been so much fun too. We started this just out of a passion for Avatar and wanting to talk about it since it got put on Netflix. And ever since we started the podcast, it has just been so gratifying. And we love seeing fans jumping into not only watching Avatar again with us, but also following the podcast and telling us what their favorite characters are, or favorite episodes or favorite scenes. So it has just been so much fun. And we are so happy to hear that Nickelodeon is going to be creating more Avatar content. 
because I don't know about you, Greg, but I, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in it for the long haul. You can't get rid of me that easily. That's <laughs> for sure. We're actually in the 50s. This will be episode 50. <gasps> yeah. No. If you count the ang mails that we uploaded and the bonus episodes we're at, according oh to iTunes, according to the Apple podcast site, this will be number 50. So yeah, wow, it's amazing. That goes to show you just how fast this has gone because yeah. I thought we were still in our 30s, but nope. we're in the 50s. Yep. Wow. According to good old Apple Podcasts, currently at 49 episodes on our list. This is number wow. 50. It's crazy. And I just saw like all the reviews for the countries and territories that I'm currently checking. I can't check all of them. There's so many, but it's just like, I don't know. I never thought that we would have this many reviews come in, this many people emailing us, this many patrons, like everything is absolutely wild. So do we have some reviews to cover today? We do. Thank you for reminding me. The first review that we're going to read is a five-star review that comes from Alyssa7718. And Alyssa writes, lovely podcast. This is by far my favorite Avatar The Last Airbender recap podcast. I know the hosts are very well researched and have great insights about the episodes being reviewed. Honestly, this is the kind of wholesome content that I absolutely adore. Keep up the great work. And thank you for sharing this absolute gem of a podcast with this community. And Alyssa, two exclamation marks at the end of that. Two, not one, but two. Emphatic. So good. That's so nice. Thank you so much for listening to us, for leaving the review and these very, 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 very kind words. Like, it's just amazing to think that anyone from any part in the world takes the time to leave us any sort of comment. It's amazing. Or even listen to the hours and hours and hours to the now that we've created 50 episodes. Yeah. Wow. Man. Amazing. Our next review comes from Naomi HC. And is called, I love this, in all caps. (laughs) Naomi writes, I don't think I can adequately explain how I love this podcast and why I love it. But nonetheless, I will try. The first thing I love is the way Greg and Acorn are so enthusiastic about the world of Avatar. Their love shines through every word. The care in which they discuss the characters, themes, and ripple effects of Avatar shows so much thoughtfulness and respect for the world. Another thing I love is how no fun fact or headcanon is left unturned. You leave every single episode with a new perspective that further expands this amazing world. This is an amazing podcast that I would recommend to anyone who loves the world of Avatar and wants to know more and have a lot of fun too. Oh, that's so nice. Wow. And with, I just want to point out, I know we have the backlog for these five-star reviews that we're reading. This brings us into the current year for 2021. I'm very excited about that. That's right. Yes. yes, we had a lot of reviews coming in when we were doing book two episodes, mm-hmm. which, as we've mentioned before, were pre-recorded yes. since uh, Greg had his first baby, yeah. his first flying lemur. First little little nugget. It's, she's, <laughs> she's so little and nugget and smiley now. But Naomi's review marks the first 2021 review as well. Yeah. Just, just give everyone an idea of where I was headspace wise, which is a good thing we weren't recording at this point. At this point, I was just like, where's this baby? supposed to be here by now. So as I was writing this, (laughs) I was like, where's my baby? Okay, cool. Yep. We all thought it was going to be a December baby and it turned into a January baby. Yeah. Wild. All right. Our last review, you want to talk about wild, came in on my birthday. Oh, this five-star review comes from Avatar The Last Airbender, Harry Potter, She-Ra Star Wars fan. All of the fandoms. All All of the fandoms. That's crazy. 
and they write amazing and i want to say two four six hard eye smiley face emojis they continue to say i have been looking at a couple podcasts to listen then i ran into this and watched about 15 minutes of the first episode and was hooked i have been ever since recently i have fallen behind but still listen whenever i can thank you so so much for taking the time to listen to the first 15 episodes and being hooked since then, even if you stumble a little bit behind, that's fine. No big deal. No worries. I know what that's like. There's um one of our friends, I'm just going to say close personal friend, Pumpkinberry, runs a lot of live tabletop shows over on twitch.tv slash table story. So if you, that's your thing, I highly recommend. But more specifically, one called Gone that I keep on trying to catch up on and I keep on falling behind on. I've been trying to listen to it since it ended or since it even began. And I keep on restarting because I keep on forgetting where I was. <laughs> I'm never going to finish it. But I totally understand falling behind. Just keep on keeping on. Hopefully you made it to this episode. I don't even know if you're going to hear this. I hope you do. But yeah, those are the three five-star reviews. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Tune in next week for the next three. And then 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 that, then we're caught up. But maybe we're not because there could be more three. Who knows? Only time will tell on that. More threes. More threes. Always more threes. Okay. Now that we've gotten all of that business out of the way, let's dive into the reason we're here. And that is book three, episode two, The Headband, or as we like to call it, Secret Dance Party. Secret Dance Party. Now, a lot of people are thinking like, Greg, why don't you sing Secret Dance Party like Secret Tunnel? (laughs) Do you really want me to do that with this voice right now? You can always try. Uh, Let's try it. Secret dance party. Secret dance party. I hope you're happy. (laughs) Secret voice. Secret, secret, secret dance party. Okay, maybe I was maybe I was milking that one a little extra. (laughs) Round of applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I tried my best. This episode was written by John O'Brien and directed by Joaquim Dos Santos. Our episode begins in the Royal Caldera City, where Zuko finds himself tossing and turning in bed. He finally gives up on the idea of getting any sleep and grabs a nearby hood and wanders over to a tower embedded in the side of a mountain. When a single guard spots Zuko off in the distance, he yells out, but Zuko slowly turns around and makes his way back into the city without giving away his identity. We change scenes to find Team Avatar concealed in a mysterious cloud. Flying Nimbus Dragon Ball fans, maybe? Maybe? Uh Uh-huh. Making all sorts of noise and ruckus and giving away the contents of the cloud to anyone with an earshot. Sokka yells for everyone to be quiet the next time they decide to use a cloud as camouflage, and Toph jokingly agrees because they wouldn't want a nearby toucan puffin to hear them chatting it up. Sokka reminds the group that they are in enemy territory, and those, my friends, are enemy toucan puffins. They're so cute. I love them. They are. One of the birds jumps on Sokka's head and squawks. The group wanders into a nearby cave for shelter. Sokka makes a comment about how they'll be living like this until the invasion begins. Just hiding in cave after cave after cave after cave. (laughs) Katara chimes in and tells her brother that they don't need to become cave people until the invasion. They just need new clothes in order to blend in with the citizens of the Fire Nation. Aang agrees that blending in is better than hiding out 
and that they would be just as safe hiding in plain sight as they would be in a cave. Toph then chimes in about being able to eat real food and not just cave hoppers, because if we're being honest, who wants to eat dirt in cave hoppers anyways? Spoilers, Momo does. Momo loves cave hoppers. <laughs> Momo ran right to that. He did. He, and it just like, it's kind of violent. He just like bites off the head immediately. It's like, geez, <laughs> sorry, Momo. Looks like we got outvoted, Saka tells the flying lemur. The gang finds themselves outside of Fire Nation home near a waterfall where a whole bunch of clothes are hanging out to dry. Aang is a little hesitant to steal as the clothes do belong to people, but Katara has no hesitation and calls dibs on the silk rope as she runs and snatches it. Aang justifies the theft as benefiting the greater good and goes along with the plan and snatches the suit. In the next scene, as Team Avatar are getting dressed, Toph notes that she should probably wear shoes, but they would definitely impact her ability to see. She pushes her foot through the sole of the shoe, which then slaps Sokka in the face and shows off her stylish shoe for the blind earthbender. (laughs) Aang puts on his headband to reveal his ultimate disguise as a normal kid. Amazing. Amazing. Convincing. Yes. How do I look? Katara asks as everyone turns around and sees first ever real deal Japanese steel hair down Katara. This is like, I, I feel like there are a lot of like 12 year old boys at this point that were just like hair down Katara. Whoa. Including Aang as he yep. blushes for a moment and then softly points out that she is still wearing her mother's betrothal necklace. Oh yeah. I guess it's pretty obviously water tribe, isn't it? Katara pauses and then removes her necklace and holds it in her hand, staring at it for a moment. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love their outfits so, 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 so much. And mm-hmm. yes, Katara is absolutely gorgeous with her hair down in yeah. her Fire Nation garb. I was actually reading that Mike and Brian knew from early on that Team Avatar would travel into the Fire Nation for the bulk of the third season, but it wasn't until the writer's retreat that I mentioned in our last episode that they came up with the idea of the kids spending their time there in disguise. This was really exciting from a design standpoint because they'd made 40 episodes so far with the characters' stock outfits. And so everyone was ready for a change. Brian thought it was important to have each new outfit echo elements from the characters' stock attire. So their iconic identities weren't lost in the translation. Aang's hair was actually an idea that they came up with while trying to figure out how to hide his arrow. Mm. And the sketch they came up with had the headband and also led to the Footloose-inspired episode that this became. Ah, nice. Yeah, and just for people who don't know what Footloose is, it's a 1984 film about this free-spirited teenager who teaches self-expression to the youth through dancing. Oh my God, I didn't make that connection until you just said that. Uh huh. Granted, I've never seen Footloose, but I know enough of it. And if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, you also mm-hmm. know enough about it. Or even Volume 1 as well. They talk about Footloose quite a bit. Yeah, because they dance off. Yeah. Anyways, the group walks by a nearby Fire Nation bazaar and begins to accessorize. Aang notes that he used to visit his friend Kuzan in this bazaar 100 years ago. So he knows exactly how to act and advises everyone to follow his lead. He does this like way too slick walking movement after and way too confident like walking maneuver after this. And he's just like walking by, he goes, Hotman, Hotman, stay flaming. And like, it's just the most funny thing ever. It is. Yep. What I think is really funny about this is that it's probably how people actually kind of talked a hundred years ago or how a younger Ang would perceive that. Like, think about all of the slang that we no longer use now that we did even 50 years ago. 
Right. Yeah. So each era has its own slang. Oh, speaking of which, mm-hmm. I found a ton of collected avatar slang. So at some point, I'm going to bring that out and talk about a couple. That's awesome. That would actually make a pretty good avatar episode if we do one of those <gasps> charts and just yes. like put them up on there. We could say which ones are the best and which ones are the like the worst or whatever. Let's do that. Let's do oh that. Oh my God. That's really good. Okay. Live <clears throat> brainstorming. Yes. After he's addressing everyone as Hotman and saying, stay flaming, it's kind of obvious that the customs have changed quite a bit in the past 100 years. Yeah, because the guy's like, oh, sure, I guess. (laughs) When the crew tries to get some lunch, Aang notes that there's only meat. Sokka points out that everyone eats meat. Even the meat eats meat, which I love. It was like a a cow (laughs) thing. Yeah, it was a hippo. It was like a hippo cow, I think. Yeah, it was like a hippo cow. Yeah, just eating a piece of meat. Aang tells the group that it's okay, and he'll eat some trash lettuce and waits outside as his friends get some food. Hotman? 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 Aang waves at the people walking by. It's over. We caught you. Three intimidating soldiers approach Aang, recognizing him immediately as, dramatic pause, (laughs) a student playing hooky from school. One of the soldiers grabs Aang, and we cut to a Fire Nation school. The soldiers drop Aang off at the classroom of a Miss Kwan, who immediately notes that Aang is not from the Fire Nation. So that must mean he's from the colonies. Another dramatic pause. Another (laughs) dramatic pause. I love this bit. I wish this bit continued a little more. I wish they did like two more of these bits. I thought it would have been funny Mm because like the third one would have been like, okay, it's not funny anymore. And then the one after that would have been like, okay, it's, it's still funny. But anyways, I digress. Miss Kwan notes his poor manners and etiquette and even points out that this new student doesn't even know how to properly bow to his elders, something a classmate of his helps him out with in the moment. When Miss Kwan tries to get Aang to remove his headband, Aang quickly comes up with an excuse as to why he cannot remove it. He says he has a really embarrassing scar, which I'm actually very surprised that Miss Kwan was like, okay, that's fine. With mm-hmm. her demeanor, even within the three seconds that we met her, she's like, oh, a scar? Don't worry about it, kid. You can leave it on. It's very interesting. Yeah, I think it was a a bit of a liberty that was taken in the dialogue or in the writing because she is very much an extreme disciplined Mm -hmm. type of teacher. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I feel like she would be (laughs) my first reaction would be, no, she's the kind of person who would say, no, take off that headband, be an embarrassed Bill's character or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Crazy like that. Actually, so backtracking just a little bit. Mm hmm. I found that in that scene when Aang was waiting outside, when his friends went in to get food, there's actually a woman that walks by that wears some of Toph's disguise clothes. Really? She has like the same. Yeah, it was really interesting. She had the same headband and like the same strip of cloth that hangs down the back and the front. Hmm. It's like a half a second or a second. But she's walking by and it's the same structure and everything. That's funny. Also, on the topic of the teacher... A lot of the teachers I found maintained extreme order in the Fire Nation because they were so focused on creating perfect Fire Nation citizens. Students in the school started their education as soon as they began firebending or for non-benders as soon as they began walking. So the curriculum included etiquette, Fire Nation history, history of warfare, music, and firebending classes. So I like the way that they portrayed the way that propaganda plays a huge part in this culture, the way that education in schools maintained the order in the nation and really focused on making sure the citizens were not out of line and that they were following the Fire Nation's plans as a country and also the Fire Lord's plan as an elite country. 
Yeah. Again, we're getting strong Nazi Germany vibes right now mm-hmm. in here. Yeah. With the propaganda, with the the school uniforms and how like everyone has to act a certain way and view the Fire Lord in, in a certain way. Watching this episode, especially a little bit later, I thought of Jojo Rabbit, the movie. I don't know if you saw that, which is about it's like a funny ish, also dramatic take on what happened. It was directed by Taika Watiti. It's so good. I highly recommend it. But mm-hmm. um, okay. It follows the character named Jojo, whose imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. And with the little things in that show that he doesn't actually know what Hitler's like, because in his mind, Hitler is a comforting guy. He's understanding, like he's very loving, but he hates the Jews. But, you know, he's got all these positive things. And also, <laughs> also the smaller things, like the fact that his imaginary Hitler smokes and eats meat, even though Hitler was very violently against smoking, as well as he was a vegetarian. So it shows like Interesting. A, a misconception of who their leader is. Mm-hmm. Same thing that you kind of see, I think, a little bit with Fire Lord Ozai in this school. Interesting. Yes. Miss Kwan is actually played by Jean Sakata, who has been in such noteworthy properties like High School Musical, the series, Big Hero 6, the series. Disney's very big oh with gosh. that. There's <laughs> like this thing, the series, that thing, the series. Also, the <laughs> sitcom Dr. Ken. And ER. Oh, wow. Some okay. No- noteworthy things she's worked on. So Miss Kwan kind of stares at Ang for a moment and agrees that, you know, he can keep his headband on, looks at him and says, Very well. What is your name? Or should we just call you Mannerless Colony Slob? Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Ang just kind of laughs it off a little bit and he said, Just slob is fine. Or Kuzan. Quick thinking, Ang. Quick thinking. <laughs> Very quick thinking. The school day ends and all the students leave for the day. Momo peeks out of Aang's shirt as Aang comments how fun school is. As soon as the flying lemur's head pops out, he is spotted by the same girl who helped Aang correct his bow. Don't let the headmaster catch you with that monkey, she tells Aang. The young airbender denies that he has a monkey, which is technically true because he's not a monkey. So Aang not lying, even though he has no problem (laughs) with lying, but he's not doing it. But the girl assures Aang that she is not a tattletale and introduces herself as Anji. A taller boy pushes past Aang and puts his arm around Anji. He tells the girl that she doesn't have to babysit the new kid. Wow, Aang says as he bows. You must be one of those popular kids I've been hearing so much about. That's right. Now listen, friend. I know you're from the colonies, so I'll just say this slowly. Anji is my girlfriend. Don't forget it. The boy, whose name is Hide, pokes Aang's shirt and Aang's shirt pokes back. (laughs) Hide raises an eyebrow and does the I'm watching you hand to eye movement and walks away with Anji. I just got to say, I think Hide needs to have a conversation with Anji because Anji doesn't seem into being his girlfriend. I don't think (laughs) I don't think Anji considers them dating. And Hide is just like, everyone, this is my girlfriend. And Anji's like, "Okay, well, I don't. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Just kind of going along with it. I have a theory about Hide that. I don't know if it's confirmed or not in the episode. And if it is, it's a maybe a part I zoned out on just coincidentally every time that I watch this episode. But I feel like he's the headmaster's son. I have that feeling about him. Yeah. Either the headmaster's son or his favorite student. Something like that. But like, he definitely has some sort of favoritism. And at the end of the episode, I'll point out why I think that he's his son and not necessarily like a favorite student or something like that. There's like a little tiny thing he does. Yeah. A couple things about Anji too. Yeah. Anji's hairstyle resembles that of Chihiro slash Sen from 
from Spirited Away, mm. which has actually been, as we've mentioned before, cited as one of the inspirations of the creators. Oh, yeah. In addition to that, Angie was named after Angie, one of the members of the staff, and is one of the few Fire Nation natives who does not have the standard black hair and amber eyes. That makes a lot of sense. Every time I think about Angie, my brain turns it into Angie. So that, that makes a lot of sense for <laughs> so me. That's, that, that's that works, good. yeah. That's good. Uh, Hide is voiced by Matthew Underwood, who was Logan Reese in Zoe 101. So if you're a Zoe 101 fan, you might recognize his voice. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know, Hide too. Hide actually doesn't have the black hair and amber eyes yeah. as well. Yeah. As the others. And because we're seeing so many of Aang's classmates here in this scene, I also want to throw out there that Aang's classmates are some of the team's favorite character designs for season three. Yeah, there's there's a lot of really different looking children in this school than what we've seen throughout the world. Like, I don't think I've seen we've seen like an overweight child before until this school that I can remember anyways, because everyone's very malnourished because they're starving, because presumably the Fire Nation is pilfering everything. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to see like these very background details that you might not be connecting with the state of the world at the end yeah. of the year war. That's a great point. It kind of, like you said, points to the wealth and resources yeah. of the Fire Nation compared yeah. to other places in the world. Totally. Another smaller boy comes running up to Aang and notes that it's amazing that Hide did not beat Aang up and invites the new kid to play hide and explode with the other kids. I hope that isn't as dangerous as it sounds. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. It's a children's game. What could go wrong? <laughs> Ang returns back to the cave later that night and is covered in soot and ash, where he gets scolded by Katara since they were all worried sick. Ang tells them that he got invited to play with some kids after school. Sokka springs up in shock, and Ang tells his friends that he enrolled in a Fire Nation school and that he's going back tomorrow, to which Sokka replies by fainting. <laughs> Sokka, who's so concerned about keeping undercover and making sure that they don't out themselves at all. It's like, yep. okay, we can be in costume and disguise, but we can't like interact with anyone. We got to stay low. And then Aang's like, oh, well, I enrolled in school. It's going great so far. Also, at this point, Sokka's probably thinking we should have just been cave people. We would have been safer. <laughs> right. We return to the tower embedded in the mountain. The same guard as before sees a cloaked Zuko and remembers him from the other night. Zuko looks up and shows his face to the guard, who recognizes him immediately as the prince. Zuko pins the guard against the wall and tells him that he is going in for a visit, and this man will stand guard and tell no one about it. Zuko enters his uncle's prison cell. Iroh is sitting on what looks like a straw mat in the middle of the cell. Uncle, it's me, Zuko says as he removes his hood, and for the first time in Iroh's life, he silently turns his back on the prince. This is heartbreaking. Oh, my God. This hit me way more than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Iroh has no lines in this episode, which yes. also speaks volumes. Well, there's probably a pretty good reason to why he's not speaking in this episode. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, we all know that his original voice actor, Mako, is dead. So I think that they were trying to really figure out what to do next in terms of like, maybe keeping Ira around, maybe not like using Greg Baldwin, maybe not like going back and forth. So I think yeah, that, that I would imagine that it's not a coincidence, not only thematically, but from a real world perspective that he's not speaking right now. 
Yeah, it makes me wonder. Or as they were negotiating the takeover for the voice actor, maybe they were working on another project and they weren't available to record. So it just made sense to not give Iroh any lines. Yeah. And the impact is just like astounding. Mm-hmm. We're so used to him bending over backwards to give Zuko wisdom and insight. And just Zuko's betrayal has this ripple effect throughout the world. And Iroh thinks the Avatar is dead right now. So like he's treating this as a worst case scenario. Like my nephew, who I love dearly, I failed him. And he's brought about the end of everything. The end of balance. Just what a moment. Mm -hmm. Before we move on, there's there's a couple of things I want to talk about. Because throughout this episode so far, we've seen some individuals who seem to be upholders of the law. Not quite soldiers, but they are in uniform and they're the ones who are maintaining order. They apprehend Aang and take him to the school. They're posted at this prison. And so I actually found that they are specific. They're distinct from the military. It's a military branch and they're called the domestic forces. It is a group that is made up of women and a small percentage of men from the Fire Nation's warrior class. Because of these demographics, where the domestic forces is made up of mostly women, a lot of the Fire Lord's forces are trained by them because they are high-level female firebenders. The domestic forces have three main purposes, to defend the homeland from invasions, to train the Fire Lord's forces, and to police the Fire Nation. That makes so much sense, why they look different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And we do see a lot of women here. You know, when you think back throughout the rest of the books... A lot of the soldiers that we see are predominantly men, if not yeah. completely. <laughs> yeah. Fair. So I like the concept of the domestic forces being mostly a female branch of the military. Yeah. I also like that the show doesn't point out that it's a woman officer, a woman like soldier or whatever for this like mm-hmm. different armed force. They're just like, this is who it is. If you notice it, awesome. If you don't, not a problem. Yeah. I prefer when things are done versus shoved in my face and be like, applaud <laughs> yes. this. We did this. (laughs) Yes, me too. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Another thing, I don't know if this was just me, but I realized going into the season that I hadn't really given much thought to the way the Fire Nation is laid out. Mm. You know, we've spent so much time in the Earth Kingdom, which is very sprawling. It's a huge continent, a huge landmass. There's lots of areas to it, including, you know, open spaces, like a westerny area that we saw. There's woods, there's developed cities, but really the Fire Nation is off by itself on an island. And so a lot of the structure is volcanic in nature. We mentioned this in our last episode where they got inspiration for the Fire Nation from Iceland and the way that Iceland looks and is laid out. But even in the way that it's developed, I never like connected the dots on how it works. It's very defensible in nature and is regarded as actually one of the most heavily fortified cities in the world alongside Ba Sing Se. This level of protection, along with the prowess of the Fire Nation Navy, prevented the capital from becoming a major battleground during the Hundred Year War. So it's interesting how they basically were able to defend their homeland and go out into the world and conquer And no one could do anything about it because it was just such a defensible position being off on an island in the middle of an ocean and that sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, really. There are points in more specifically the next episode where I just forget that we're in the Fire Nation. This one's very obvious because they're shoving in our face. But like, Mm -hmm. I'm really looking forward to book three and seeing if I forget where we are again, because that was that's. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more hills, a lot more yeah. volcanic looking structures, a lot more water mm-hmm. because they're on an island. Yeah. But when we're looking at the Fire Nation capital, that's also what really struck me because the Fire Nation capital is made up of the Royal Plaza, which is a forum located directly past the First Lord's Harbor. The layout of the Fire Nation capital is really interesting, too. You've already mentioned the Royal Caldera City, mm-hmm. how that's basically what it's called. But you get up to the island and you first hit the First Lord's Harbor, which is that almost like a dock where mm-hmm. you go in. That's actually where Lo and Lee addressed the people when oh, yeah. Azula and Prince Zuko came back. Yep. So that's the First Lord's Harbor. Beyond that is an industrial district surrounded by a lot of establishments and homes. But then you go up the landscape along this series of steps into what is actually a dormant volcano. Mm. So the actual city, the capital of the city is in a dormant volcano. And that is where the upper class lives, the Fire Nation royal family, the palace and and all of that. So it's just really interesting to take a step back and think this is not your typical sprawling landmass. This is like this is an island in the middle of an ocean that's been developed by the Fire Nation. Yeah. And they're using dormant volcanoes and all this crazy landscape to make their cities and culture very defensible, you know? Yeah, the absolute cojones, for lack of a better term, of the Fire Nation to just build a capital around or near or on a dormant volcano. (laughs) I know, right? Like Very appropriate. Yeah, wow. Back at the cave, Sokka and Toph are trying to understand why Aang feels the need to go to school. The Avatar tells his friends that he's learning new things about the Fire Nation and reveals that he has received a picture of the Fire Lord on his first day. He then proudly displays another picture of the Fire Lord made out of noodles. (laughs) Macaroni art. So what's interesting is the team doesn't know what the Fire Lord looks like, just like we didn't up until recently. Yeah. So it's a very well-kept secret outside of the Fire Nation. But once you get in, they're like, oh, yeah, there he is. Look how handsome and pretty and beautiful he is all at the same time. He's perfect in every way. No blemishes, nothing. By the way, first assignment, macaroni picture, macaroni portrait of our (laughs) of our fire lord. Impressive, I admit, but I still think it's too dangerous. Sokka tells his friend, I guess we'll never find out about the secret river. Then it goes right to the fire lord's palace. We're supposed to learn about it in class tomorrow. Ang replies. Ooh, smart. Yeah. This information intrigues Sokka because he is a fan of secret rivers. Not so much secret tunnels, but secret rivers. (laughs) Fine, let's stay a few more days, Sokka tells the group. Flamio, Hotman! Aang yells in excitement and runs off. Back at the prison tower, Zuko begins lecturing his uncle about how he brought this on himself. They could have both returned together and be celebrated as heroes. Iroh shifts his weight, but does not respond to the prince, who takes the movement as the intended insult. Zuko yells at his uncle that he does not have the right to judge him for his actions and that the old man is crazy for not doing the same. Enraged at the lack of a response, Zuko kicks up a stool and destroys it. You're crazy, and if you weren't in jail, you'd be sleeping in a gutter. Zuko leaves, slamming the door behind him, and Iroh's head drops slightly as a tear falls down his face, and he closes his eyes. The next day, Aang starts his day by faking his way through the Fire Nation Oath. He's saying things like, firebending and fire lord and fire nation and all these other words that may be included in the oath but are not necessarily the <laughs> oath miss guan takes this as an obvious attempt to mock the oath and punishes the class with a pop quiz 
The first question asks, what year did Fire Lord Sozin battle the Air Nation army? Aang raises his hand and tells the class that it's a trick question as the Air Nomads did not have a formal military of any kind and that Sozin defeated them by ambush. Well, I don't know how you could possibly know more than our national history books unless you were there a hundred years ago. The class stares at Aang with their mouths open as Miss Kwan rejects the notion, saying that Aang does not know more about this event than any literature that they have in the Fire Nation. I'll just write down my best guess, Aang says quickly and sits back down. (laughs) Oh my God. I feel like Aang could have handled that better. Like, if you don't know the words, don't actually speak out loud. Just open and close your mouth, make it look like you're talking and no one's going to notice. But, oh, geez. Actually, there's a term for that. Yeah. It's called Walla. And I actually learned about this recently. Yeah. It's this concept where you can mouth certain words without sound and it looks like you're talking. There's a couple different versions of it, like um, peas and carrots, watermelon cantaloupe, and nader nader or nader nader. Mm. And actually, it's interesting. One of the responses to it is gromish gromish. So it looks like you're talking. So if you're like in a background, for instance, and you want to yeah. look like you're actually having a conversation with someone, instead of trying to figure out what to say, like, um, hello, we are talking and uh, the sky is blue and the weather is nice. Just say those phrases. Watermelon cantaloupe. Interesting. Yeah. Gromish, gromish. That's going to be what I say from <laughs> now on. Gromish, gromish. In music class, and gets in trouble for dancing while playing the Sungi horn. The return of the Sungi horn, everyone. The return Yay. of the Sungi horn. I love it. The music teacher tells Aang that dancing is not conducive to a proper learning environment, but empathizes with the student because sometimes you just love the Fire Nation so much that you can't control <laughs> yourself. I love that excuse. Oh my God. Me too. The music teacher tells Aang that he can march quietly in place if he must. Aang tries the marching, but it's not quite the same. The music teacher, by the way, is voiced by Phil Proctor, who is the voice of Howard DeVille from Rugrats. So that's Phil and Lil's <gasps> dad. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he was in Bob the Builder. In Spirited Away, he was the frog-like chef. And he was Electro in Spider-Man, the animated series. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, those are such fun characters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a big pull. Again, one of those little things where it's like, oh, it's just this one time character and they get Mm -hmm. someone like Phil Proctor to do the voice. (laughs) No big deal. You know, on the topic of teachers, did you know that in the canon, Miss Kwan was a teacher of uh, someone we've met before? No. Who? Because she's been a teacher at the Fire Nation School for more than 40 years. Whoa. Some of her star pupils have gone on to become Fire Nation generals and war machinery inventors, including Uh one such pupil, Vakir, who was the member of the UN archers who later joined the Rough Rhinos. Oh, it's our favorite reject archer. (laughs) Yeah. So Miss Kwan was his teacher. That's so funny. Oh, my God. My headcanon is spinning out of control now. Uh-huh. I can just imagine a young Vakir with like maybe a slingshot and a pebble mm-hmm. just like slingshotting at Miss Kwan. I can imagine the shenanigans that he got <laughs> into just like a Dennis the Menace style, which might be dating, oh, yeah. dating myself a little bit too much. But just like all those shenanigans that's going on. Flicking spitballs. I want that prequel series, please. Like even if it's just three <laughs> episodes, I'll please or yep. one. I'll take it. Just give me that. Okay. Give us a short. That's amazing. Even a short. Yes, just something. A comic, anything. (laughs) As Aang leaves the building, all of the children watch and whisper amongst themselves. 
It looks like Aang's been making a name for himself as Kuzan. Anji walks up to him and tells him that she liked his dance from earlier. When Aang offers to show her the moves again, a fire blast is thrown right at his feet. Hide yells at Aang in that kind of overprotective, jealous boyfriend way and tells Aang that nobody shows Anji anything, especially movements. Oh my God. Yeah. Jealousy, not cute. No, no, no. Uh, real quick too, this scene was driving me nuts because I've seen it before and not just from my first watch through. It was like so familiar and I couldn't place it and it was driving me up a wall. Really? And then I started up the rewatch of the episode like a day or two later and I kind of let Netflix do its autoplay thing. And this mm-hmm. scene is the autoplay for Netflix for me. With the music and everything. So like every time that I've been firing up an episode, but I waited to like get comfortable, get a snack or whatever, it would play Mm -hmm. the scene. So the series preview, right? Yes. On Netflix? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Auto preview. So that's what it is. If that was driving you nuts too, that's why. (laughs) It's such a random point too for Netflix to be like, this is what we want to preview for the entire series. Totally. Ang, almost unrecognizable, going by a different name. Like, okay. Anyways, sorry. That's my gear grinding for the day. Let's go back to Hide as he attempts to fight Aang, but the young airbender dodges all of the attacks. Aang even manages to get behind Hide and matches movements just like he did on that first encounter with Zuko. So I love that he's reusing that move. Yes. I know the circle walking. Yes. So good. The headmaster shows up moments later and breaks up the fight and blames Aang entirely for it. The headmaster tells Aang that they will need to have a conference with his parents for punishment. Hide gives a smirk that makes me want to punch him right in the jaw. I don't condone punching children, but Hide... Oh, man. You're making me... uh. This is another clue that makes me think that Hide is the headmaster's son because he he doesn't call for any sort of parent-teacher conference with his parents. Granted, it still could be favoritism at this point, but I feel like, at least in modern schooling, if two kids get in a fight, both parents are brought in not just one. Mm -hmm. So that's another little clue, if you will, for me about who Hide is and why he gets away with, I don't know, saying someone's his girlfriend when she's not, bullying kids nonstop. Totally. Yes, I think you're right. He's one of the popular kids. He's a favorite. He's a son, grandson, whatever. Yeah. And because of that, he gets away with everything. Yes. The headmaster is voiced by Jim Ward. If that name sounds familiar to you, it's because he's Captain Quark from the Ratchet and Clank series. He's Chet Ubetcha, Doug Dimadome, and Mr. Bickles from Fairly Odd Parents. He's been in Ben 10. Uh, he was King Gerard from the Smurfs and Charlie from Monsters Inc. Oh so my gosh. He's been in a lot. Yep. That's that's a lot. Yeah. Yep, Lots yep. of Nickelodeon stuff too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network. And Cartoon Network, yep. Anji, if you didn't know, is voiced by Tinashe who is a singer-songwriter, as well as in Out of Jimmy's Head, The Polar Express, Empire, and Two and a Half Men. She's been in quite a bit. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We cut immediately to the parent-teacher conference where Sokka and Katara masquerade as Mr. Wang Fire, which is hilarious. It's so good. (laughs) And Mrs. Sapphire Fire. (laughs) Katara has like a pillow or something under her dress to make her, I don't know, look pregnant or a little larger. Mm -hmm. And Sokka has a fake beard and mustache on. Classic. After the headmaster tells Sapphire that her son has been a menace, she replies with that old, that doesn't sound like my Kuzan mother-like tone. (laughs) The headmaster tells the parents that if Kuzan acts up one more time, he will be sent to reform school. 
And by reform school, he means the coal mines. Yikes. Yeah. So I think we all know where that archer went, right? The right to the coal <laughs> mines. Don't you worry, Mr. Headmaster. I'll straighten this boy out something fierce. Young man, as soon as we get home, you're going to get the punishment of a lifetime. Sokka tells the headmaster, <laughs> who is content with this response, and everybody leaves the office. Oh, my God. I love Mr. Wangfire. Me too. And Sokka does too. He will keep that disguise. Yes. Just you wait. We'll see it oh, again. Oh, man. I am so bummed that I'm sick right now and can't deliver 110% on that delivery. That line. I know. Reading. It's so good. Every time I watch this episode, I was cracking up at this. <laughs> As the sun sets, we join May and Zuko on a date, sitting on a cliffside and watching the day turn to night. May comments about how awful the color orange is, and Zuko kisses her. They also have this moment where Zuko says something like, I love how you hate everything. And she goes, I don't hate you. And, you know, they kiss. I don't hate you, too. They're so (laughs) cute. They're so cute in like a cringy, like goth emo way. And I... I said it before. I ship them. I love them together. I love them a lot together, too. They're, they're, very, they're great for each other. They're perfect for each other, in my opinion. Yeah. This moment is, of course, interrupted as Azula shows up and tells May that Ty Lee needs her help untangling her braid. This is hilarious. May leaves, but not before throwing an angry glance at the princess behind her back. Yep. It's so interesting to see that ever since Zuko came back, May's opinion of Azula has been shifting. Yeah. And it makes me wonder what's been happening behind the scenes. But I love how she throws her that angry look. But then she says, oh, sounds serious to untangling Tylee's hair. Like of all things to say. Yeah. Oh, sounds serious. Okay, let me go check that out. Yeah. So we can see more of those seeds of doubt and betrayal start to really Mm -hmm. kind of come back up. Because I think the first time we saw this was at the end of book two, mm-hmm. where May and Tylee just kind of glance at each other. They're kind of like, what's their deal? What's going on what's here? What's going on? Yeah. Or no, it was, it was when Azula was talking about betrayal. She was like, I don't know what betrayal yeah. is like. And they're like, eh, interesting. Yeah. Once May is gone, Azula tells her brother that she knows he's been visiting Iroh. Zuko is angry that the guard informed Azula of his visits, but she corrects her brother and does that whole, no, you told me just now thing, which I hate as a thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just seems so, again, another very minor part where it seems like kind of lazy writing. Only a little bit. Yeah. Zuko sits back down and admits he has been visiting his uncle and asks what his sister wants. Zula tells Zuko that she doesn't want anything, but for him to be careful, because if people find out he's been seeing their uncle, they'll think that he's plotting with him. I don't believe it. Don't believe the plotting or don't believe that would be the perception. I don't believe that Azula cares that people will perceive that of Zuko. Oh, no, I think she would want that. Yeah, but she's saying like, oh, be careful not to do this. And she sounds very sincere. It sounds like a moment where she's trying to be like protective of her brother. But because Mm -hmm. of her past actions, me, much like Zuko in this moment, are just like, what's your angle? Exactly. She always has an angle. Yeah. Azula's always a couple steps ahead. So she's plotting something here. Yeah. Back at the cave, Sokka yells that Aang is not going back to school. Aang tells Sokka that he's not ready to leave yet, and he's having a great time just being a normal kid. You don't know what it's like, Sokka. You get to be normal all the time. Ha! Toph says behind his back. It's so funny. (laughs) Two plus two plus Sokka. Anyways, Aang then tells the group that those kids are the future of the Fire Nation, and if they want to change this place for the better, they need to show them what freedom is like. Aang then reveals his big plan. He's going to throw his classmates a wait for it, secret dance party. 
Go to your room, Sokka yells. Later that night, Aang's classmates show up right as Team Avatar finishes decorating the cave for a dance party. Aang tells Appa that even though he has the fanciest feet out of everyone, and he's got six of them, he does need to wait out back. Appa grumbles and listens to his friend. The Flamios play the hottest hits. There's your pun. There you go. The hottest hits. (laughs) But the children of the Fire Nation do not know how to dance. Aang shows them a few moves that he's learned over the years. The Phoenix Flight and the Camelophant Strut. Who knew Twinkletoes could dance? Toph says as Katara smiles. Now, I just want to pause really quickly because there's Mm -hmm. a bigger thing going on here than just a dance party. These children have been successfully brainwashed by their schooling, by all the propaganda that's been shoved into their heads. It's actually really sad to see. It's so sad. And Aang sees it clear as day because it's not a gradient. Usually this kind of brainwashing is like a gradient, right? It's non-existent. And then eventually it becomes all there. So Aang, having been removed from the equation for 100 years, shows them like the Phoenix flight, which was a traditional dance that they did way back 100 years ago. Yeah. How heartbreaking is it for Aang to be like, well, this is what your culture was. How do you not know this? Exactly. It also shows, for me, a possible future where Nazi Germany wins. Mm -hmm. Like this kind of deal. Like it's, again, like I know I said this from episode one, but these like Nazi tones, I just can't shake from the Fire Nation. There's also elements of North Korea too, because especially in the music room, the way that everything is laid out, there's also a tapestry of the Fire Lord's face hanging on the wall behind the children. So that kind of propaganda, that kind of reminding of this is our nation, this is our leader, this is how we live. Like it is just layered over and over into the lives of these kids. Yeah. And to actually go further with that, I was reading how education was so strict during the Hundred Year War and was often oriented toward the ultimate goal of indoctrinating the student population in the country's politics. So you're right. Before the Hundred Year War, 100 years ago, the Fire Nation was a very different place. But then now all of these forms of personal expression were taken away because they could be considered as a threat to the Fire Lord's unquestioned authority during the Mm. war. So, you know, dancing was taken out of the school curriculum. Everything is very censored. The students believe that the Fire Nation's war against the other nations is justified. Mm. And Sozin's official reasoning for the Hundred Year War, I found, was to spread his nation's prosperity to others. So everyone in the Fire Nation believes they're doing the world a favor and they don't have any room to question that. It's very interesting to like think about who got rid of dancing at what point. Yeah, I think it's during Sozin's time. Yeah, okay. We'll talk about it for sure later. Okay, good enough. But actually, on a more positive note, the kids that are playing the instruments in this scene in the cave, I found the cutest, most fun little anecdote about them, little factoid Yeah. from the now lost original Nickelodeon encyclopedia. Okay. These are called the Flameos, and they were a skilled Fire Nation band capable of playing a wide range of songs on different tempos. They performed at the secret dance party hosted by Avatar Aang, and the band had six members, consisting of two percussionists, a sungi horn player, another wind player, a pippa player, and a mornkur player. The band took their passion for music seriously as they dreamed of touring the world together. I hope they did. I know. I hope so, too. We're going to see them again. But I love how the original production included like a backstory for this group of kids. That's just good world building is what that is. Yeah. I love it. So good. 
the instruments too. We've seen the Pippa before. That's the instrument that Lieutenant G played during the ship's music nights. And I found the Morin Corps, which is new to us. It's a bowed instrument that bears a horse's head. It produces a sound much like a horse neighing or a breeze blowing. Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, back at the prison, Zuko brings Iroh some Komodo chicken. The prince admits that while he has everything he's ever wanted, it's not at all how he thought it would be. He asks for his uncle's advice and admits to him that he believes the Avatar to be alive and that it is driving him crazy just thinking about it. Iroh, hearing this, does not respond to his nephew. Forget it. I'll solve it myself. Waste away in here for all that I care. Zuko loses his temper and storms out of the cell. A single tear falls from Iroh's face as the cell door closes. Back at the cave, Aang shows Anji how they dance at the ballrooms of Ba Sing Se. Katara is a little jealous at first, as the two seem to be getting along very well. The rest of the kids begin to dance alongside Aang and Anji, and Aang runs over to Katara and pulls her onto the dance floor. As the two begin to dance, everyone else stops and watches in awe. Katara points out that everyone is watching them, but it doesn't bother Aang, and he tells her not to worry. It's just the two of them right now. When the two stop dancing, the crowd cheers, attracting the attention of the headmaster, Hide, and a few guards who were looking to break the party. The headmaster yells for the guards to grab the boy with the headband, but his classmates have his back, and several of them put on headbands and face away from the guards, stalling them long enough for Team Avatar to run to the back of the cave and earthbend a wall behind them. The music still plays after the exit of the gang, and the guards can't help but tap their toes and dance a little bit. This moment (laughs) right before is where I think that Hide is related to the headmaster because the headmaster does this like movement where he's like throws his arm up the air. He goes, go get them. And Hide in the background does the exact same thing. (gasps) Oh, good catch. He mirrors the headmaster. So I don't know. For me, it's like a familial kind of like copying or like trying to be like, but I guess thinking about it a little bit more, it could just be he admires the headmaster so much that he Mm -hmm. wants to be him. But I don't know. For me, they're just related. They also like, we don't have a name for the headmaster that I saw. He's just the headmaster. Yeah. And both their names be with an H. So that's good enough for me. It's no DNA test, but it's good enough for me. (laughs) Also, I think that Hide is going to become a headmaster in the future. Don't know why. Oh, totally. But I think it's going to happen. As Team Avatar flies off into the night, Katara tells her brother that he can remove his fake beard now, but Sokka tells his sister that it is permanently glued to his skin. Toph tells Aang that she thinks the dance party really did help the kids of the Fire Nation and made a big difference after all. Aang shrugs it off saying that it was just a dance party, and Katara tells him that it was some dance party and kisses Aang on the cheek. Oh. Flamio, sir. Flamio. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zuko walks into a dark alley and meets a large, mysterious man with a metal arm and leg. Zuko tells the man that the Avatar is alive, and he is to find him and end him. The man's face is shown, and he has a strange third eye tattooed on his forehead. Tien from Dragon Ball Z. Just kidding. It's not, not <laughs> Tien from Dragon Ball Z. Dun, 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 dun. The end. So that was the headband. Yay. Acorn, who's your MVP of the episode? Aang. Aang? Aang, of course. Yes. Yeah. Why? I really appreciate Aang's fearlessness. I don't know if fearlessness is a good word for it because he doesn't even seem to factor in fear. He's just like his usual bubbly, curious, helpful self wanting to go to school and learn more and have fun doing it. But I love how he really, truly wants to help the kids. 
he makes a comment in this episode where, you know, just think what could happen if we could make a positive impact on these kids. They are the future of the Fire Nation. Yeah. So if we can do something here to nudge them in the right direction, then it's on us to do that. Like that's something that we should do. I agree. I think it's Aang as well. I think for those reasons that you mentioned, where he has a disregard for his own safety almost and nonchalant attitude about it. But when it comes to the well-being of others, he doesn't miss an opportunity to try to help and even risks his own life and the lives of his friends as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's Ang. Also, no one else really shines in this episode. This is definitely an Ang-centric episode. Yeah, for sure. Maybe a, a shout out to Iroh for sticking to his guns. And even though it might have been really painful for him to not talk to his nephew, or maybe it was more painful to actually see his nephew. I don't know. But mm-hmm. he kept his composure. He did not bend to the whim of the prince. So there's also yep. that. What is the moral of the episode as far as you're concerned? <laughs> All work and no play makes a Fire Nation boy dull. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Mine's very similar. Mine, my moral of the episode is you can dance if you want to. You can leave Ozai behind. Because if Ozai don't dance and if he don't dance, then he's no fire lord of mine. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Nice lyrics. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. And with that, that is all of the time that we have for this episode of Avatar, the podcast. Again, thank you so much to everyone who managed to make it to our first ever episode of Avatar. You all made it so special. We had so much fun. We cannot wait for episode two which again, for those of you who need to mark your calendars, will be on June 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. Thank you. Yep, twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. If you want to support the podcast in another way, we have so many different ways in which you can. You can always leave a five-star written review over on Apple Podcasts. You can always email us directly over at avatarthepodcast at gmail.com. You can always go to patreon.com slash avatar the podcast if you are looking for additional content like secret podcast, which is going to be released <laughs> real soon, as long as blog posts, doodle pages, the whole deal, and be a part of the 100 year war, which we learned last week. The Fire Nation is actually winning right I'm now. I'm shocked. The danceless Fire Nation. Yeah. Oh, man. And as always, If you're done catching up on episodes, want to hang out with me, you can find me live each and every Monday and Friday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time over at twitch.tv slash Booster Greg. We have a new Friday night segment when we're not doing Avatar, where it's called Phone a Friend Friday, where I just kind of call up a friend and we do really cringy icebreakers and stuff. (laughs) It's great. Acorn was on an episode. I was. We did a a fun icebreaker game that uh, devolved into business ideas. Theme parks and what we would do. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's a great time. So very excited for next week's guest. So you will actually tonight's guest, if you're listening to this right when it comes out. So come on down, see who we have. Awesome. And you can find me online at Acorn Bandit or on joysons.com where I create enamel pins, including the two pins for this podcast, Mm -hmm. our favorite fluffy friend, Appa, and the pin that Greg designed of Toph. Yes, they're both so good, though. I love them both. I cannot wait until we design the third one. I cannot wait for future Greg and Acorn to design it so I can own it. So current Greg can own it. Yes. Coming up next time. The spirit of the Jenghui River. Fact or fiction? And 
Two-headed fish, disgusting meal, or disgusting deal. (laughs) All this and more next time on Avatar Avatar, the the Podcast. Podcast. Avatar the Podcast is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. 